0: up 24 is on a mission to empower advisors to deliver better financial futures for their clients. They're dedicated to customer service excellence and delivering innovative product solutions that create value for advisors and their clients. These are just some of the reasons why advisors rate them number one for overall satisfaction and why their managed portfolio solution has been rated best in market five years running. up 24 believes nothing happens in isolation. So they're working together with advisors, licensees, and industry leaders to leverage their data and technology expertise to help solve key challenges in the delivery of financial advice, so more Australians can access cost-effective advice.
1: Uh, G'day, Clayton here from XY Advisor. It's been it's been a, a little while since I've done a podcast, but uh, I got to chat with Andrew at the XY um, event in Sydney the other day, and I thought it was super interesting. So I've dragged myself out of retirement, and uh, I want to welcome you, mate, here today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Clayton. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I, I found the latest event with XY it was super interesting because COVID obviously split, essentially split the event, the singular event into two events. So it was, we did education digitally, but we kept the, the boozing element uh, until it was actual, you know, so that we could do it in person. And um, I met some super interesting advisors. There was an advisor there who's a pilot, an wow. actual commercial pilot, still a commercial pilot. Yeah, right. <laughs> and has his own financial planning business. And all of these clients, commercial pilots. So,
2: oh, wow. There you go. What a niche.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I was speaking to him and, uh, and uh, I said, well, what, what's your um, what's your client acquisition strategy? He goes, it's very simple. I get rostered onto a flight, sit next to someone for 12 hours. And by the time we land, they're my client. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's awesome. they are trapped.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like it yeah yeah yeah, it's hilarious and then um and then we got chatting uh about you you had a really interesting uh niche as well and as a general rule i think financial planning is just walking into the space of the hyper niche would you tend to agree to that
2: yeah definitely think so The, the, the niche just allows you to stand out and be an expert and know how to approach your client base and what to say to them and i think yeah, more and more, that's just become so important to have have yeah. that hyper niche that you know back to front.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ben Ben, and buddy of mine, and, and on the on the board here at XY, Ben Nash, he's gotten really involved in the in like the tech scene, you know, like Google and mm. Microsoft and all those cats over there. And um and so employee share schemes, he just knows everything about employee share yes. schemes and ESOP yes. pools and all that sort of stuff. And he's just hyper niched into that. Uh, then you've got your airline pilots that are hyper into airline pilots and mm-hmm. uh and then you are hyper niching uh, not just in uh because pre- previously you were niched but now you've even gone in a further step and you've got this awesome kind of story of being involved in a in a high quality licensee and then deciding to to go self-license and go even further hyper niche and uh yeah the the story i just think has so many elements to it so do you want to maybe give us a little bit of a background on how you got into advice and even if your background is that why you even started at your first niche Or, or 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 how did you even niche in the first place before you even got to where you are now yeah sure i'll uh i'll dive in thanks clayton
2: um, yeah, so I've been in financial services. I sort of fell into it 20 years ago. My dad was a financial advisor, but I didn't hurry to follow in his footsteps. And then um, I think what I mean what what happened? My dad had a, a stroke um, when he was 59, and so I was probably I think I was 23 at the time, and I was working for for Zurich in advisor support type role, and that was a massive shift. Like um, my dad managed the whole family finances, and um, My mum just had her whole life turned upside down because he was heavily brain damaged. And so he was sort of no longer there to support mum and the family and everything. And then six months later, I was working for a small advice business practice. And I just saw the way it was my dad's old business partner uh, helping my mum. And it didn't work very well. Like, I think he just put so much pressure on her and said the learning curve is super steep. And um, and I just saw how <laughs> the finances just added massive stress to my mum already during a, a really tough time for her. So look, that's how I sort of found myself in financial advice. And I was um, I was an associate working for a small it was a risk practice at the time. And then I um, I wasn't there too long, and I moved to IPAC, which was Paul Clitheroe's company. A lot of people might know. And, um, and they had a, a specialist, uh, like a personal injury type um, offer. They had a national legal um, uh, relationship manager who had relationships with law firms around the country and it was people having serious um, illnesses or injuries or accidents and, and, and getting settlements and things like that. So I aligned myself with that part of the business at IPAC very quickly and that was um, the area we were in. And so I was at IPAC for a long time. It was a great company to work for. As anyone would know, if you were there, it's um, changed and change is going on right now. Um, AXA purchased them and then AMP took over AXA and now it's sort of being fully integrated into AMP. So there's a lot of changes along the way. And look, I, I loved it there. We had great advisors and a great niche in personal injury. Um, but there was this, most of what we were doing was large, catastrophic quarter pointed lump sums. And we did a little bit of this work in, in super and insurance. So most Australians have uh, death and TPD insurance, and maybe income protection through their super funds. And there's we we estimate about twenty thousand people are getting a TPD claim through super uh, every year. And these people just don't know where to go. T- TPD claim gets approved, it gets paid into your super account, and um, and then you've got all these choices. There's all these different financial implications. There's a different tax rate for everybody. There's so many pitfalls people can fall into and so many opportunities and unique financial strategies that um, people can take advantage of. So I was thinking more about that, and that's when I, I left. Um, I actually went from IPAC to Perpetual for a little while because they have a big personal injury presence, and then very quickly I decided I want to do my own business and, um, and and set up my own business licensed through Fitzpatrick's, like you mentioned, and they were great. I had a lot of ex-advisors move to Fitzpatrick that i used to work with and i knew some of the managers and great business but um yeah i just found as fitzpatrick's got bigger a fantastic place but um my niche was just so different to what everybody else was doing and i kept wanting to do things and create this website and build this tax calculator tool and do all these things and fitzpatrick's were not sure about a lot of that or taking months to get back to me to approve things and i wanted to do things a little bit of a different way and that's when i found xy advisor actually so this was um probably early last year and XY advisor was fantastic because pretty much every advisor I knew was employed or working with a big licensee and I didn't know too many self-employed advisors and and I think the licensees sort of scare you off that a little bit and especially in the current climate and how you're going to get insurance and don't go self-license whatever you do Um, but (laughs) but I remember XY yeah it was so good I reached out to some people they said do it won't look back and they put me in touch with other people and compliance consultants i remember coming away from my first xy function last year and just dictating heaps of notes from uh i think it was uh yeah it was like christmas party last year and i'd already gone to set up my license and we sat around a table and like four out of seven of us had already just set up our license through the same person it was it was crazy wow but so that's what happened in november last year went self-licensed as you said and um and now the business is pretty much um, focused on TPD claims through super. And we still do a bit of the more general personal injury stuff, but it's, it's very narrow because you you can just see people are Googling it all the time. You know, how does the tax work? What are the Centrelink implications on TPD claims through super? Um, There's a huge amount of misinformation there. They've gone and spoken to their local accountant advisor, ATO, and they've all given three different answers about how it works and it's tax free or it's 22% tax or, you know, so it's, um, yeah, so that, that, that's uh, sort of how I ended up where I am today. We've just recruited our first uh, advisor. So he's a, a guy I used to work with at IPAC, and that's been massive, you know. So I've just been able to um, – he's helped me a lot with the advice piece and production, and he used to manage a big book of clients at IPAC. And so now I can get out there and start promoting it again, which will be great, so –
1: Mate, what a journey. That, that's amazing. Um, I actually didn't realize there was such a strong subculture of self-aligned um, or self-licensed advisors in, in XY. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there, there you go. Like uh, the, the stuff, it's kind of interesting. Um, the stuff that I get to find out about, you know, the, 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 the members that have joined XY over the years, it blows my mind all the time. Um, I think it's good
2: diversity there, you know, and there's a big shift going on, right? So there is a lot of movement and people reviewing where they're at and the licensee factor, and yeah, not saying there's a right or wrong, but yeah, different, different people need a different support system, don't they? So
1: absolutely, and and realistically, that that's exactly why um, why we started this is is a support system for whatever it is that you want to deliver as an advisor, and so I super interesting. I, genesis story that you have there so um, you know there's a personal reason then it reflects into your professional growth and then over time you've just hyper 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 niched uh into um, people that are would you say because you haven't used this terminology but do you then see yourselves as as a claims specialist
2: Yeah, good question. Not at all, really. Yeah, Um, because
1: you didn't say that, because I've heard someone call themselves that previously, uh, but you haven't used that terminology. So what would be the difference between a claims specialist and what you're talking about?
2: Yeah, I'm seeing them after the claim's been approved. So I definitely get those inquiries. If you put in TPD claims assistance Mm. into Google, you'll get 50, you get heaps of results, right? If you're looking for a like a claim or TPD claim financial advisor or someone after approval, it's really narrow. There's just not a lot of help out there. I can definitely put people in touch with different claims, support people or lawyers if they need that or, you know, there's a lot of different... So I know a lot about it. But no, my business is very much after the claim has been approved and nobody's right. doing that very well.
1: Like, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I remember... Um, and it goes to show you how long it's been since, since I gave advice, certainly, ar- around, uh, certainly around what to do with the TPD payout. But I remember um, getting super stuck in to, and you might, you'll might probably be able to explain it to me, but super stuck in on all of the finer minute details. And, and there, was, there was certain things where certain amounts would be calculated at this and then other amounts that were calculated like that. And I remember I ended up creating like this behemoth spreadsheet and it was still probably wrong. Cause I couldn't, I, I I, wasn't entirely satisfied, but I remember it being a huge hole that I just spent maybe like two weeks running down. Um, and in the end, my business didn't really do any of it. So I, I sort of didn't have a chance to get thoroughly involved in it, but by the sounds of it, you're, that is now your second nature. And and I don't I don't I'd actually like to go through some of the stuff. What what are some of the more interesting aspects of what you can do with a TPD payout?
2: Yeah, thanks Clayton. I mean, i uh, will try not to you know, I could talk about this all day, so I'll try and keep it <laughs> short and sharp. But first of all, TPD through super different to TPD outside of super. That's paid to you directly, tax-free. It has You know, obviously the usual financial planning implications there. But TPD paid into super, totally different, right? It goes into your super account first. You then get a form from the super funds. Do you want to do a partial or a full withdrawal? When you're taking that money out of super, there's this standard tax rate. This is before you turn 60 or preservation age. It's 22%. But you get this special calculation, which is basically from when you stop working to 65. It's the future period you couldn't work. What's that called? The tax-free uplift. or the, That's it, yeah. You know, tax-free uplift, yeah. So th- th- there's a lot to talk about there, right? The date last worked is grey. Super funds make mistakes there quite often. It's a proportion, um, that future period you couldn't work is the tax-free portion of your, uh, uh, proportion of your total working life, which goes back to eligible service date. So you run into all these problems with uh, eligible service dates. If you consolidate, they always keep the earlier one. You know, we had super legislation come out two years ago to automatically consolidate funds. This has been massively problematic in the TPD space because someone gets a quote from their fund saying your tax rate is going to be 1% and then all of a sudden they go and make a big withdrawal and they've been charged 10%. And the reason is that eligible service state, that automatic rollover came in sometimes without them knowing. So it's a huge minefield.
1: Some dodgy like rest (laughs) super fund that they had 20 years ago. gets this tag along. Exactly. Like it was
2: 300 Dollars from a rest fund I had 20 years ago. I'm like, I'm sorry, it's not the it's not the quantum. It's the eligible service date piece. Now, as part of a, a, a law association, when I mean, we've tried to lobby the ATO and the government for carve outs around that, but, but that's not been successful. And there's also the thinking that really it is meant to take into account your total working life. It's just that people with multiple super accounts have totally different tax tax treatment. So we yeah. often get people with, with two TPD claims, and this one they're going to pay super low tax rate on. Some of the times it's almost entirely tax-free and the other one has a really high tax rate. So we might segregate accounts. Um, you know, they might take from one and leave the other for, for post-60 if they can. They're, they're, and there's a whole bunch of things from there. If you leave your money where it is, they don't do that tax-free uplift until you do a withdrawal or a rollover. So you're relying on that fund to do this calculation going forward. Medical certificates can expire after 12 months. So then most of the time, 12, or 18 months or two years, you have to resupply those to keep getting that tax-free uplift. There's a way around that. You can roll over to lock in that big tax-free uplift on, on rollover. So there's all these unique strategies. I mean, there's the you can contribute to the fund before the rollover. Um, if you do this non-concessional, it increases the power of the tax-free uplift. So some people can wash out the taxable component and use super going forward. Oh, yeah. They can take... They can take lump sum withdrawals or they can start a pension like a retired Australian would. And that totally changes the tax treatment.
1: Wait, wait, but, wait, wait. You <clears> can start <throat> a pension before the a- before preservation aid? Yes. So get most- out of town. <laughs> <laughs> I, I no, I love, the know the this? So, yeah, no, I love this stuff. Wait, wait, wait. You can, I just, I did not know that. I, I oh should back God. up a step.
2: That's exactly right. So when this claim is approved through Super, it all becomes unrestricted non-preserved. Their existing Super and their TPD amount, because they've met the permanent incapacity condition of release, all you need to start a pension is, is meet that and have it fully unrestricted, non-preserved, so you can start a pension, right?
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: Heaps of our clients do that. They start a Wait, pension. Wait, do you still
1: get the low rate cap in that environment because of, 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 of a capital amount you can pull out before it enters into that taxable environment?
2: So the low rate cap is for people over preservation age and under 60. Yes. And it used to be 55. It's working its way up to 60. People That's we see right. these days, if they're 58, Depending yep, on which yep, side yep. of one July they were born, yep. they still get it's now two hundred and twenty-five thousand the lower rate cap. Absolutely, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. So, so it's I, pretty. I was, th- I was thinking it was any time before the age of sixty, but it's not any time. Pretty- it's preservation, right? Right. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, yeah, as yeah, you can yeah. see, it's pretty pretty unique. Super, super man. So yeah, so yeah. before we move on, yeah. Do you do you know anyone under even age? Let's call it. Let's go super young, like previous preservation age the youngest was 55 so do you know anyone on a pension under the age of 55
2: yeah yeah for sure most of our clients are in their 40s it just so happens that way we have some in their 30s some in their 50s and you get the odd person in their 60s but most of them are in their 40s and they have a a, an allocate or an account-based pension yes yeah
1: mate that is honestly mind-blowing that i've never heard of that
2: I mean, we've just scratched the surface too. Like there's so many unique, like if you start a pension in the fund where your TPD claim was, yeah, the whole income is taxable and you get a 15% tax offset. But if you roll over, you're crystallizing that tax free amount. So it's only the taxable portion that's taxable. You can give your medicals to the new fund and get a 15% tax offset. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of unique things to TPD and oh. it's not, it, it's more than that as well. Like All funds are a little bit different when it comes to implementing these things. So we track about 85 super funds. There's two out of those 85 that lock in the tax-free. So you can't do that washout piece on rollover because it's locked in, but the rest... so And there's all these things we try and track, like... um,
1: Wait, wait, but where are you... You must be getting that information from the PDS because there's no way the client service person on the phone knows what you're talking about
2: it's actually just through experience and we, gotcha. and we talk to people because you don't get that in the pds either oh. you, can't, you can't get that stuff so it's all it's all very hard to get answers on this stuff but some right. funds are better than others they write out to their member you've been tpd your medicals will expire in 12 months or 18 months and so that's how we get that kind of information and there's about five different metrics we try and track across these funds I'll just say one more thing, like a massive issue for us last year in COVID was um, some super funds will take the TPD and put it straight into the person's account and invest it in accordance with their default option. Most will, or maybe half, will put it into cash. And you can see already, and some will say after 90 days, we'll invest it. But during COVID, we had a bunch of super funds that automatically invested their TPD amount into the market at the perfect, you know, the, the worst possible timing and so we had many, many people compensated because they didn't even know in some cases that their TPD had been approved several weeks ago and it's fallen, you know, 10, 20%. Oh, mate. But they're the types of things we try and track across funds because, and, and that's not in a PDS. That's just this, that's just the fund procedures. And it's a lot of these cases, it's the fund not really giving heaps of thought to TPD. They just go, it's new oh. money. It's automatically invested like any other contribution to a fund i I reckon a
1: lot of a lot of times the payout there's not there's not well in my experience there's very little hand holding on the payout like it's very much like Mm. we've done our job look at you know and and they should be they should be proud of the work they're doing because they're actually paying the money but they feel like that that is the the crux of it i've seen and and this is slightly outside of your lane but i'm sure you're very well aware of it so um income protection within superannuation um now technically it, it if you have a, an ip or a, a, a tcp or whatever it's called uh claim inside a super if the money should get paid to super and then you should claim the money from super into your own account but i've seen people receive it directly into their bank account just bypassing superannuation altogether even though the superannuation owns the income protection policy, mm-hmm. and uh, and so yeah, I've seen I've yeah, I've seen some crazy stuff. Do you, do you know why that would have occurred? By
2: well, actually, in most cases, they do pay it directly to the member, and there's special right. super condition to have it. Okay. it can be it can be both ways. I mean, this is like you're saying, it's all super funds are a little bit different, and yeah, because
1: because uh, I have experienced both but, both uh, ways. Yeah, yeah, one one of them, yes, the but, the but, but, um. Like that's, um that's super interesting. It, it's
2: interesting. And like you said about the hand-holding, this is my biggest thing. Like, I just think, um, first of all, my relationships were mostly with personal injury law firms, and so that's where a lot of my original work was coming from. And I'd go around the country saying, you can't just send these people a pre-completed withdrawal form uh, without them understanding all the financial implications and the choices and, and things yeah. like that aim goes for super funds and i've tried a little bit it's a bit harder with super funds and there's a, a, often a lot of bureaucracy and things you've got to deal with but they're just approving these tpd claims putting into their out sending them a nice letter but often these people i mean it's hard enough for us in the industry to get our heads around what's involved and, and trying to understand it and they, there isn't a lot of hand-holding there's not a really good solution there for these people in a lot yeah. of cases it's like
1: yeah. i i'm still my mind's still blown about the people under the age of 55 having any account Very that's rare. It's most, most of our clients, yeah. And then, so, yeah, that's,
2: there's, yeah, there's some really great, unique opportunities for these people uh, they can take advantage of. And there's often they're on Centrelink payments in some cases because they haven't worked for years, so they're on a disability pension or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's got to be factored in, and how does this impact my disability pension? And yeah, you know, the the answer there, it's all shielded in super while they're under age pension age, under sixty seven. But as they start pulling money out, there can be implications. So that's a big yeah. piece as well. And you that's don't start any- a full pension in those cases. You might just start it with two or two hundred and fifty thousand, keeping them under the the Centrelink means testing, and then the rest stays in accumulation um, where it's shielded. You know, so there's.
1: But technically, once you get through that two hundred and fifty, you can just start another age. Uh, ABB anyway, right?
2: Well, the, um, the 250 is more like the uh, Centrelink cap? income test. No, this is a Centrelink means okay, testing. Yeah. And that's the number at the moment in financial assets a person could have under the income test. Yep. So there's different asset test thresholds if they're single couple, homeowner, non-homeowner. Yep. And under the income test, a single or a couple, it, it just works out to be about two fifty at the moment under the current centrelink deeming rates. Yep. So then that's why you might limit it to that much. Again, it's different for everybody if they have but, any other But
1: once once you pulled that entire two fifty out, you could then just go back to the larger part oh, yes. and start ABP right A V P right.
2: Absolutely. Yes, exactly. You can top it up or recast oh, or, or do mate. another one, that stuff. Yep. yeah.
1: Mate, if I'm ever injured,
2: I'm coming directly <laughs> to you.
1: Hey, that's that's so cool. That that is uh i love that kind of stuff this is the i think the of
2: beauty stuff. of it like you just said is people don't have to sit in front of us too long to know that they're in the right place because yeah. especially if they've tried to talk to somebody else about it or tried to talk uh. to client client services about how this works or it's so niche it's so and it's not even the theory even if you know that well you need you need years of doing this and dealing with super funds and we know where the mistakes 100%. happen, and how to, the implementation piece can be as important as the advice. You know, so it's yeah. Well,
1: it's, it is. I think it's a weird thing to be a specialist in, right? And I'm sure you probably agree to that because because even though and as you mentioned it, twenty thousand people, um, you know, you claim a, TP, a TPB event within Super each year. Um, that's still a really low percentage that it's, it's going not- to be one of your clients. Right. Yeah. So, so then, yeah. it doesn't really. And and this was the experience that I had was it's you know because I was always I, I I loved to learn about uh, all the because superannuation is so interesting when you get into all of this stuff right it's was, it was like these huge you know wormholes that you can just crawl into and, and and just discover all this amazing stuff and super like intellectually rewarding. However, if over the course of a forty year period you complete 10 you know total permanent disability claims in your entire career for you know like the 80 to 100 families that you look after like it just doesn't really make much sense to, to allocate a huge amount of time to doing it and so uh and so I, I was aware that that there are a lot of claims specialists out there that that, it, that can help to get a good claim but yeah I've, I've actually never Met someone yeah. who who understood this space as it, as well as you do. It is really narrow, and it's really interesting
2: to me. Like when you're at the bigger licensees, it's not a space they want to play in, right? I mean, oh, there's a lot of claims that are small. You know, the average TPD amount through Super might be a hundred thousand, so it's really hard to help people. And then you get the odd, you know, half a million, million, million and a half. You get the larger ones too, or you get the people with multiple claims or other complexity going on but it's not especially when it's licensees and 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 where you know funds under management is the biggest target it's not Mm. really a space they want to get into really it lends itself to a fee-for-service completely unconflicted model you actually can't be aligned with the product either because you need to be able to tell people the rollover piece and locking in tax-free and stuff so it's it, and, and look, there just aren't big numbers, like you said, Clayton. I mean, there's mm. quite a lot of claims every year, but, but a, a bunch of those people need the money desperately and all they need to know is how's the tax work? Is my sentiment going to be impacted? And am I missing anything major? And for these people, we have a, like a low-cost consultation service where it's purely factual and general information and we just be really clear on the you know what, what this is and what it's not around the advice piece. Mm. um and and like you say there there might only be five or ten percent of those that need holistic ongoing advice and starting income streams and things like that so that's always been the challenge: is how do you and that's where the website has been fantastic like i've got this website now there's a free calculator on there there's five videos answering the same question i get asked every day you know how does the tax work how does the dental link work what are the options here and so i just try and give all that away through the website and that will be enough for most people and then they start to self-select they, they know i'm not missing anything that explains it i can do the tax calculator i can check it and then some people know that yeah if they if they're going to be using super going forward they need advice pretty much like yeah and it kind of needs to be from us or someone in this area
1: yeah, yeah. um so basically like what's the window where someone is a potential client.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, in this business, it tends to have to happen quite quickly after claim. Well, that's not entirely true, but that's just the way it goes. You, yeah. we people want to, to get their
1: hands on the money. Right?
2: They want to get their hands on the money and we definitely want to talk to them before they do anything. If they want to do a small withdrawal, but even a lot of people don't know that they can do partial withdrawals and keep making. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The lady I talked to, yesterday, $700,000 claim, and she thought she had a one-off choice to withdraw it, and she thought it was tax-free. She was looking at about 80 dollars something in tax, and so it was all just this unfortunate. People get to that point. They think it's TPD. TPD is tax-free, or they think it's a flat 22%, and they're sort of both right and wrong, those answers. The TPD has no tax. It's the early withdrawal from super that creates the tax, and it is 22% on the taxable component, but there's this tax-free uplift so it's it's usually we want to talk to people they've just had a claim approved and they're about to complete that withdrawal form or decide what to do with it and
0: yeah. then it
2: depends there's no real window beyond that like medicals will expire so that's a big part of what we talk about they might have other claims progressing you know they might another TPD claim or they might be personal injury or they might be on work cover so sometimes they might want to wait several months until everything else finalizes and if if the medical's expiring is an issue, they have to get advice before that 12 months is up usually. They do definitely want to look at where that TPD money goes. Like if that massive TPD amount is getting invested, that's one of the key things they want to look at quickly. And look, they can engage us for advice on that piece or they can talk to their super fund or you know, just be aware of that. Otherwise, there's no real window necessarily. So long as they can provide medicals that are valid and updated if they need to, they can still do it down the track. And some of these strategies, you sort of get one-off, one go at it. So once you do roll over, you can't go and re-provide medicals and do it again. You know that's that's tax avoidance. That's not tax reduction. So yeah, there's some some things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah that's an that's an interesting thing. I know, I know that the ATO does give people, you know, it's, occasionally they'll let things slide if there's mistakes, you know, genuine mistakes and. I, mm. Um, in, your, in your opinion, that doesn't happen in this, you know, this area of, of advice? If people make a mistake, is it pretty much unrewindable? Depends what
2: you're talking about
1: there. If they make a mistake,
2: it, like they've done a rollover of their rest account into it, that's pretty much unrewindable unless yeah. you can convince the fund that accepted it to reverse it out and send it back, mm. which we have had, but you've got to be on that really quickly. There's no leniency on the ATL and that kind of stuff. And, and even a withdrawal, what about a withdrawal? Can you? No, it's really up to it? the, the fund. It's, it's a good question. We, it's really up to the super fund. They're wow. the ones that calculate the tax and report it to the tax office.
1: Name and shame, mate. Which one's the good one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, you
2: know, I won't go there, but I could. <laughs> um, the, it, there's mistakes all the time in the tax free uplift calculation. And oh, um, I, I, bet I think. It would be. We, I've been doing this for you know solely for four and a half years, and they've picked up their game a lot because of how many complaints we've made, and someone had to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know,
1: it's like Andrew, someone... <laughs> keep him on hold. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's again. 395 of the Andrew yeah, That's it.
2: That's it. <laughs> So that stuff can always be fixed up, but the, the super fund has to fix it up. And sometimes they try and fob you off and say, go fix it up on your tax return. They can't do that because it's the super fund reporting of the course. taxable income to them. Yeah. So you've got to get them to fix it up. Yeah. Mate, how,
1: how do you do it? How do you deal with the human element? How do you deal with the... Because the, to me, everything is achievable under law except one in 10 people that you speak to from these companies actually understands the rules. And so 90% of the time when you're having conversations at this level, it might be even worse. But the, I, I found that the more um, accurate and niche that advisors, including my own previous advice, was the more I found inefficiencies, inability to get the actual rules Completed. So, how do you deal with the human element of these super, uh, you know, specific uh, rules and regulations? Look, it's uh,
2: always a challenge. We have a number of extra steps throughout our process that other advisors wouldn't even think of because oh. we're always trying to cover off the and the errors are going to happen, and we're going to have to fix them up. The beauty of being so niche is I have a template email for all these errors. I've usually got one before we do anything to say. <laughs> make sure this withdrawal is processed this way and this is our estimates of how it should be treated the rollover from one fund to another well that goes wrong almost 40 or 50 percent of the time so so often we go but we always send we either send the the request straight to the fund with a cover letter saying this needs to be treated as a disability super payment so it needs to be unpreserved and blah 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 and then if, if there are problems, the first thing we check when, you know, rollovers or withdrawals are processed is what were the tax components. So me and the staff, we're all very clear that's that's a step in all, every time we're implementing a client. So you can get onto it right away. There's a template for a withdrawal that was done wrong or a rollover that was done wrong. So it's all very streamlined <laughs> and templated and uh, and just very process driven. And it's absolutely crazy some of the funds and I won't name and shame but I mean I've had I had a fund last year it took me six months to get an eligible service date and I was given five different dates throughout that six months I'm like it's an eligible service date how can it be that hard I don't understand and everyone gives a different tax rate right so yeah it's um sometimes the big places are a bit siloed and their claims don't talk to the client services and it can be a real interesting mess sometimes
1: um yeah which 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 comes which makes me come back to this concept that i love it like i i really like what you've done because the, the the issue i see for your business model however is client acquisition a uh technically you don't want it right no one wants you know, to yeah, be that's right, yeah. You don't want to talk to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 almost like uh, you're in a you're in a position where um, things are rather unfortunate if if they if, if they've made their way to speak to you and your in your yeah. so uh, do you find your greatest acquisition of clients happens with your website and what you do publicly direct to consumer? Is it through claim specialists that are that are already out there? Is it through advisors? Like, you know, let's say I still have my business and I got a beer with you. And then, you know, five years later, one of my clients and I go, oh, it, it was, it, Andrew, like, uh, you know, it, like, um, or is it these legal firms or like for you, what is your best client acquisition channel? Because that, if you can answer this well, this question well, then... There's so many business models that are out there and available to advisors that currently are impossible to run profit- profitably because the demand is so niche and so low. However, so, so that I guess that's probably the most in, like amazing thing that I'm finding about this conversation is because it's so hyper niche. To me, that would freak me out to, to have a business model based on it because I go. <gasps> Like, how on earth am I going to get clients, right? So I am really interested in how you get clients because it not only solves the problem for you, but for many advisors who Mm. potentially might find themselves in a different but um, still a hyper-niche space.
2: Yeah, that's great. I um, That's great because it has changed a fair bit. And when I started four and a half years ago, I very much didn't know if TPD would be the main focus or part of what I do. Would it be more? general pre-retirement type planning which is where i'd also been heavily exposed to at ipac and and perpetual and and so um i didn't know but uh i have had relationships with personal injury lawyers for many years and um that's i mean i had a few law firms saying we need a solution like this so that was part of the the reasoning to step out on my own and giving me the confidence Um, and, and so i knew there would be some interest and look pretty quickly that generated enough work to, to for me to not do anything else except TPD but what's happened I mean it is always hard to change firms and what they're doing and tell them that what you've been doing for 10 years is a bit of a risk here and, and so that but the website now probably generates a bit more than half the inquiries and the people that go ahead with advice so the, the website has been a game changer wow Whereas before I'd have to be going to conferences and talking to lawyers and getting in front of them and trying to really keep front of mind it was tricky whereas the the website's probably only eighteen months old, and since leaving wow. Fitzpatrick's in, in November last year, I've been re- able to really ramp that up and put more on there
1: and do more videos and things. And, What's and working, that. like written SEO blogs or video <laughs> explanations? Like,
2: look, I, I was doing SEO stuff for a little while, but not long because, and that's been on hold forever because we're we're pretty swamped. It is this um, SEO, and there's just no one. If you go and Google it, we're ranked number one for TPD. Uh, tax estimate or calculator or something like that. So that's a big one because everybody wants to know, and they're all often misinformed. So that generates heaps of people. And then the the next thing is, I think the videos just give people a bit of peace of mind that I know what they they get to see me. Uh, And it's it's always hard too because I'm dealing with people everywhere. I very rarely meet these people face to face. I do occasionally, but often they're interstate or they're regional. Or so I think the videos have helped a lot. People and and, and so when people make an inquiry, we have a templated email that goes out and here's a tax estimator if you want to have a go at that. Here are some videos, frequently asked questions. Here's a checklist attached and it's got, it's too busy. It's got so many things that people can have a look at. And and when they look at the videos, a lot of people said, thank goodness we found your website because I was so confused. Nobody knows what they're talking about. And so that, that's that been huge, you know. So, yeah. Awesome. So, and look, So I haven't done much beyond that. I mean, we've talked to my new advisor about should we, talk to advice groups and we've done a little bit of talking to super funds but i haven't done much there because we've been so busy i, I think i think you super be funds, a thorn
1: in their side <laughs> I, could,
2: <laughs> I could be that and then there might be a conflict and so i don't know how to go yeah. with that but personally i think super funds need to do more because sure no of course the amount of people i meet that don't understand what they're doing when they sign that withdrawal form that's right it's crazy I mean, they need something to better educate these people, but yeah. it's a tricky one. Sometimes they haven't had a great relationship with the super fund anyway, and that might be a big trigger for these people just to go full withdrawal because, I, you know, it's taken me two yeah. years to get this. So it's, yeah. it's a hard one. But, yeah, the website and, and XY has been great there. I love the way, you know, the Ben Nashes and the people and, and these really niche into their space. And, yeah, yeah that's, that's been what's helpful. And I could do more if I had had more time.
1: That's so interesting. So fifty percent from yeah, and and what you're saying right there, and it is super interesting, is that before the internet, it was all about who you knew locally, and and Mm. and who you could get your client to refer, and you know, and get them to bring you another client. That that essentially Mm. was like local and Mm. yellow pages and word to word, word of mouth. mouth. and when the internet came along, and the longer that the internet's been around, it's about rather rather than being super flat and not very deep now it's super deep and and really narrow right so mm-hmm. and and so I can say these things, but then it's it's always remarkable i mean it's a it's a really it's a it's a systematic miracle the fact that your business model can exist right mm-hmm. but the fact that uh, that you do such a niche thing and there just so happens to be enough people that fall into that in a per year capacity that, it, that it's a blue ocean that no one else is competing in this area, that you're really the only source of truth for the whole thing. And then to make it even better is, is, is you are what all advisors aspire to be, which is to deliver a, like a phenomenal financial and life outcome right Mm -hmm. so like it's 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 one thing to sort of talk about it theoretically um but it's it's another entirely to sort of sit here and listen to to what your business model is in advice it it, it sort of reminds me of like like someone you know goes to med school and becomes uh in like a heart surgeon (laughs) and then oh now I only deal in aortas You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's like something is so, so niche that it's awesome that the internet allows your business model to flourish. I think that is, like, it's really promising, to be honest, because Mm -hmm. if advice is what I suspect it is, and that is moving to a situation where tech will handle masses, advisors I'm moving more to this medicine approach of, you know, there'll always still be GPs, but, you know, dermatologists. And it is really cool to see it in action and, and, and happening. So, so if, if internet gives you 50%, uh, is, it, is it like the legal groups and your professional network that kind of fill in the other 50%?
2: That's right, yeah. Most of them have come from the personal injury lawyers network and i have relationships with a number of them nationally some big and some small so that's where predominantly they were all coming from and you're right the internet has just allowed exactly i'm i'm very lucky that we can do that and and the internet because if i was just working on my local regional area i wouldn't have a business for sure i wouldn't go this niche anyway yeah but because of that i can i can i can be the absolute expert in my very very narrow I had a laugh when you said surgeon because my new colleague, um, um he's another Andrew, which is a bit unfortunate. But he, yeah. um, he he's like me. We used to work together. He's one of the best advisors I've worked with, and it's so technical. And uh, he keeps getting blown away by how much we can do and help. And he keeps the surgeon. <laughs> so, so if someone wants to talk to, um. Him or I goes no, I think they want the surgeon. You know that's
1: how he <laughs> refers to me. So well, it do, it doesn't surprise me just just with the, the precision <coughs> that, that you're that you're talking to in this particular era. Now let let's say um and this goes back to your business model. Let's say you know let's uh, say I don't know. For, let's say hundred people go through your service per year. What percentage of those stay on for? retirement planning or for, you know, ongoing, let's call it traditional, dare I say it, compared to what we're talking about, financial advice. Like does your, does, let, let, let's say, for example, obviously, you know, if, if I have my own business and it happens to my client and I send them across to you, I'm sure it goes without saying, you'll shoot, you flick them back across to me and like handle them again. But let's say for all these people that come in direct to you, um, do you do any traditional financial planning? Uh, after you've achieved this outcome for them?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. No, so I still do uh, general and holistic financial planning and can do that. And and my advisor who's joined me, um, that's his background too. And he's been super helpful to have that extra expertise as well. So look, we, yeah, I have two pretty different services. There's a very defined scope piece of advice because these people, they don't need, want to pull all their money out of super, but they don't want to risk... The medicals or the settling implications and the, and the tax thing. Yeah. So we might help those people, and it might be one off, and they can come back to us if they need our help going forward. Mm-hmm. And then there's the holistic advice, and a, a lot of these people have working partners and all the usual things that come with that, and and they have larger settlements or multiple settlements, and they need to segregate accounts or do more advanced strategies, and and they're very likely to be long-term clients. You know, I think they just can see. It's the usual reasons for needing an advisor ongoing and they yeah. can also see the added complexity of the TPD space. And like he's talked about, like recasting and future contributions and if they're on income protection, the deductible contributions and all, all those things. Um, so, so yeah, we, we, it might be half and half. Maybe half of them just need one-off advice, quite defined scope and narrow and the, and the other. and yeah, And then there awesome. are a bunch of people that just need that first-off sort of factual information type. Session and that's all they need before they fill in that withdrawal form. but
1: that is sensational. Um, look, we're we're believe it or not, we've actually kicked on through the, the whole the whole hour, mate. all um, oh, right Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With, <laughs> hey, because uh, I know uh, I know when we we'll, we'll s- sat next to the um, the Zurich Blue cocktail stand, and I I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm glad we got to cover a little bit of it. But I tell you, this was exceedingly. It, it to me it gives me a lot of hope to see more and more of these business models. I, I mean, such mm. a fan. If you think of the CIS Act, how much is going on in the CIS Act that that we get to use on a day to day basis? Like, there's mm. there's there's a lot in there, and we mm. we get to use about 15 percent of it kind of thing on on sort of a regular basis. But the amount of different specialities that could come out of what is available to be done because of all Mm. the crazy levels of conflicting in some cases rules regulations across all the different aspects that financial advice covers yeah my hope is that an advisor or two is listening to this and then says i think i can go down this path of being known and delivering on this really specific thing because yeah. I mean, realistically, as soon as you said there's 20,000 people per year that's going to have a, a total firm disability event inside a superannuation per year, I went, oh, I get it. I get that, you know, like that That makes a lot of sense. And if you're the guy that does that, yeah, you only, <laughs> what do you need? Like 0.1 of a percent to have an overwhelmingly large uh, business. And, and the number of different models, like I said, the CIS Act is very complicated. The, the, the number of different versions of what you do is would be in the thousands. So um, mate, uh, I hope that other advisors uh, can take the bravery that you've taken and, uh, and take on, take it on themselves. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad I got dragged out of retirement for this podcasting, right? <laughs>
2: hey Clayton, massive thank you to you. I love what XY does and it's absolutely helped me take that self-licensing and that really take the narrow niche to the next level. And, and I love the people in the group and the positivity. So awesome what you're doing. Thank you.
1: Mate, thank you. All right. Take care. Speak soon. You too. See you, Clayton.